Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football podcast. Season 2, Episode 9. I'm AlScoop.com editor John DiCarlo, joined as I always am by Adam DeMichael, former Temple assistant coach, former quarterback out in Pittsburgh in the greater Pittsburgh area, running DeMichael Brothers' performance. As I always say, training the next great quarterbacks of tomorrow. You had a, you had a workout with a bunch of guys this morning, right, Adam? Yeah, man. Uh, what's up, John? How you doing, listeners? Um, we did. We had a workout this morning. We've been going probably in season. It's just pretty cool. Like I still want to get work in season, which is, um, you know, credit to, um, you know what I mean? Just, just athletes and quarterbacks that want to get better. So we had a little workout this morning. My, you know, my family came out, which was nice. They're running around like maniacs. We got good weather. I know there was good weather, um, up your guys' way as well. So we're, we've been lucky, but I know it's going to get a little cold, but today is, I guess we call it uh, what victory Sunday, man. I know, you know, we're coming off a, a big win so there's some some positivity um on the message boards on my facebook temple football mm-hmm. facebook uh you know what i mean like i posted a, a picture on my facebook from a couple years back of me coaching the temple and i was like you know what i mean some some good some good vibes some good energy i'm actually in my game room little office slash my wife's um peloton room i got my temple jersey hanging up so some, some good vibes today man yeah uh Temple beats USF. Again, we're recording this. You guys will hear this a little bit later in the day. We're recording this uh, just afternoon on Sunday. So yesterday, Temple beat USF 54-28. to 28. The Owls are 3-6 and six now. But more importantly, they broke a four-game losing streak, got their first conference win uh, of the season. You know, for Temple's uh, Stan Drayton's first American Athletic Conference win. Uh, want to remind you, before we get a little bit further into the podcast here, as always, the, the Believe in Temple football podcast, is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V in all caps, to receive your rewards. BetOnline is where the game starts. No one's betting on Major League Baseball anymore because Mm. the season is over. Philadelphia Phillies lost to the Houston Astros, but this is not a Major League Baseball podcast. I'm just... (laughs) I'll just get over it. The Astros are just too damn good. Yeah, even though was, I resent that the fact tough. that they've still got a few cheaters left on there. Yeah, they got a couple left, man. I just, I just, you know, I wish that it just, it was just a tough series. I mean, I'm shocked it went that many games with the, with the batting average the Phillies had that that series. I mean, it was just a a bad hitting series, man. I mean, it was that's really what it came down to. I mean, mm-hmm. you still go six games and you're batting under whatever it was, two hundred as a team, whatever the crazy number was. It's, it's mm-hmm. amazing that it went that. Went that far, but um, I know Philly would have been a lot. Would have been like I told you before. We I was in college whenever they won that World Series back in was it oh eight oh eight oh nine whatever. It was pretty wild. So hopefully, you know, they keep this team intact. 
and then get you know get back there next year. I know Mattress Mac is that his name? <laughs> he won like seven hundred trillion dollars or something. Yeah, after we making went, that bet. We went to game. My wife and I went to Game Five Thursday night, and uh, yeah, I was explaining to. I mean, she knows some stuff about baseball, but I was explaining the 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 Astros cheating scandal to her because we were sitting in the two hundred section and when Altuve would come up or anybody was on that 2017 team. She's like, why they call them cheaters? And I was explaining that to her. She was like, don't they at least have like an asterisk next to their names? Like they should. Right. We're fine. Yeah. They lost draft picks, but they're just, I mean, I mean, they're just too damn good. They're like yeah. mostly homegrown talent. Like everybody they bring out of the bullpen, like, like a brave, like when he comes out of the bullpen, he looks like someone like out of a movie. If they made another yeah. like major league movie and there was some sort of intimidating closer. I mean, they're just, oh. Yeah, that'd be him for sure. It yeah, was, anyway, they're, they're impressive. To our listeners, you did not come to this podcast to hear about the Philadelphia Phillies, and maybe you did. But regardless, <laughs> like I said, Temple snaps its four-game losing streak with that 54-28 route of USF. And you know by now that Ed Sadie had a, a big, big day, 334 yards of total offense and, and just said all sorts of – you know, I mean, obviously, like career highs for himself, 265 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. And then he also caught four passes out of the backfield for 69 yards. Uh, really nice day for, for EJ Warner. Again, career highs for him, 27 of 36 passing, 344 yards, two touchdown passes, did not throw an interception. Uh, Camden Price kept the team going early with three first-half field goals and his 18 points for a single-game program record. Uh, and on a day when the defense could have played better, and again, I mean, for a 1-8 and eight team <clears> – <throat> You know, in, in my humble opinion, they they've got like they've got some you know pretty good playmakers over there. Um, Temple gave up 471 yards of total offense, and I think one of the most important plays in that game was Jacob Hollins getting that that fumble recovery on the on the you know fumble exchange there. Uh, you know between Katravis Marsh and, and Brian Batty, and uh, USF kept punching back and staying in the game. But after that turnover, Temple took that 47-28 lead six plays later when. EJ Warner found Adonica Sanders at that one one-handed touchdown. Yeah, catch. what a catch. Yeah, what a catch. That made it a three-score game. And uh that was big. Like I said, big for a temple defense that that gave up 471 yards yesterday and was struggling to 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 get some stops. So it's a lot to cover here, Adam. And we got a, a few mailbag questions to get to as well. And we'll talk a little bit about PJ Walker, too. Again, still holding down the, the starting quarterback job with the Carolina Panthers, a guy that really has been mentored in the past by Adam. So a lot of good stuff uh, to get to for you guys as listeners. Again, a reminder too, uh, if you're enjoying this the podcast, if you're hearing it for the first time, we are available on all the major podcast platforms. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can find us. Drop us a rating, drop us a review that elevates the level of Temple Sports Talk on the podcast stratosphere and helps us out. So appreciate all of you listening today. Adam, we'll start with Ed Sadie. You've been around him. You've known Ed and, you know, a, a kid that, that came out of Penn Charter, played defensive back there, played some running back. Obviously, yesterday was by far best game of his career, and it was a game that the Temple really needed, that that, that running back room needed. Um, you know, USF has one of the, the worst defenses in the country, one of the worst run defenses in the country, but still, they're, defense, they're Division One players. Yeah. Was this just finally the culmination of just – everything working, him getting better blocking in front of him, him being more decisive. I mean, on the one run, I mean, he had a really, he had a really good individual move, broke a tackle, and then went 
rest of the way. But on a couple of his runs, he was barely touched. And obviously yesterday was a huge breakout performance. What's your reaction when you see him just go off the way he did yesterday? Well, I mean, I um, had the opportunity to to recruit Sadie at uh, Penn Charter. And I remember going to the first round playoff game his senior year. And I was going to, you know, in-season evaluation. And, I mean, he must have carried the ball 40 times. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were going there and – you know, it was obviously with Jeff Collins and, you know, man, man Larry Knight, who's down at Georgia Tech now, we're mm-hmm. recruiting Eddie. And um, I went and watched him play. And, you know, obviously we come back and we talk about what we saw. And I'm like, listen, guys, like this kid is easily like without the football side of it. I mean, he was a great program football player for Temple, like a Temple program guy. Like he was going to do the right things. He was going to work his tail off. We one of the hardest workers. He's smart. Um, you know, I mean, if he didn't work out it defense or offense and he could do the opposite side of the ball type of thing but like he was a temple kid i thought you know what i mean mm-hmm. so when i watched him he must have had like if i'd go back it must have been close to 250 yards and like four touchdowns. i mean he was just the best player on the field and that's kind of what he looked like yesterday and i think the, the thing that and even myself and even some of the posts and even you know me and you were just talking it's like the the, the group that probably didn't even get enough credit is the offensive line and the, the tight ends because yep. that's who we've been pretty much crapping on the past seven, eight weeks because of, you know, the guys that are changing positions and new guys coming in, new guys leaving, guys hurt, uh, no consistency. But now whenever they are successful, everybody's praising Eddie. And I know, like, you know, Nagandi gave him the helmet sticker. and yep. But, like, every single run that you saw, majority of those, John, there was a hat on a hat. And just last week we talked about, you know, guys – like, for instance – wisdom last week was just running around crazily like you know what I mean? he was running and then you know the guy was just cutting underneath him and making a play but yesterday you know there was a hat on a hat yeah. and that's what you look for when you're you know when, when you're running back and you see those holes and counters and gap schemes opening up you know what i mean they're playing fast but the guys up front that that group like i mean jordan smith and those tight ends and dmr were just moving guys left and yeah. right you know they're insert and blocking backers defensive end it was a culmination of the offensive line you know, being more physical than USF. I remember John back in the day, we played these guys and, you know, they had a little more skill than us. You, mm-hmm. I guess you could say a little faster guys, whatever the case may be, but they wanted no parts of the physicality of what right. we were doing. Um, you yep. know, we had the Chargers of the world and that's how. Just, yeah. That's the name that comes up to me, Nick Sharga and, yeah. you know, just those the, guys, uh, you know, yeah. rock and them dudes, but yeah. that's what it looked like to me yesterday. It was like those guys wanted no parts of the run game to stop it. You know I mean? There was no one on their defense that was going to say like, Hey, you're not running the football today. And that's just like, I remember we used to like put Shargo on corners and safeties and he would just annihilate them. And then the next time, you know, you're going to play action and, you know, uh, Adonis Jennings is running down the, down the field, you know, in a wide open because of that. But the guys up front were stellar. That was the one of the most impressive thing. I'm sure Eddie said the same thing, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, he runs for 270 and three tutties. I wish I had him on my fantasy league. Yeah. I'd be living good. Uh, it's exciting to see. I know just a little bit of confidence and, just seeing the success, you know, hopefully carries over to this work week for those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he came into the game. I mean, just for some, some context. And again, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a knowledgeable temple football fan, you know, about the, his background. I mean, he came into Saturday's game with just 290 rushing yards and one touchdown this season. He had been averaging 3.4 yards per carry and that 265 rushing yards yesterday. That was the fifth highest single game total by mm-hmm. Temple running back in the program's history. And then his 334 yards from scrimmage are the program's third highest 
single game mark. It, one of the things that the guys talked about post game yesterday, whether it was Isaac, whether it was Adam, um, I think sometimes, you know, and you know this, I think fans sometimes look for like a magic bullet theory or they look for some like big explanation. And the guys just kept talking about a lot of what you're saying, putting a hat on a hat. And they just kept saying, we kept straining. We just kept straining and just moving people. Is it sometimes just, I think this is why football is a fun sport to cover. And like you work and work and work. And again, fans want results. And then sometimes when it clicks, it clicks. Is it sometimes just as simple as that when it was just, it was just engaging on their blocks more, following their coaching more. Again, like guy like Wisdom Quarshi, who again, has looked lost on plenty of occasions this season, played much better yesterday. I mean, I don't have the benefit of going back and watching like the coach's film, like like, right. like Chris Wiesahan is. It looked like a fair amount of, of Ed's runs came off like either through the middle of the line or the left side, and I'm sure they must have seen something there. But is it sometimes just that simple, Adam, where it's just like, oh, look, guys, you trusted the coaching. Finally, this week it, it broke through. Yeah, I think it has a little bit to do with that. Um, I would venture to say that they've trusted the coaching and they've understood the game plan and, you know I mean, they've attacked it the right way all week of practice. Then when they get to the game, like whether it's things are different, you know I mean, they get a different look and they can't adjust on the fly. Um, sometimes that happens. But it seemed like yesterday, I think that our guys up front and the tight ends, it almost like they took it personally mm-hmm. that we can go out there and kick their butts. And like, it's almost feel like, Again, I've never played offensive line. I've never blocked a human, maybe like once on a reverse, and I like got <laughs> annihilated. But it's like when you put your hands on somebody for the first time and you can move him, mm-hmm. you know, man on man, and it's like, holy cow, like this is who I got to go against all game long? Mm-hmm. Oh, I could do this. Like run yeah. it to my side. You know what I mean? Like that's what it felt like to me. It was like just keep going. You know what I mean? Like Eddie's running for – we're in a 60-yarder, and they just keep going, and they're picking up the tempo and like – there was nobody complaining and there was nobody saying like, Hell, you know, slow it down. It was just, Hey, I can move these guys defensively. Nobody out there is going to out physical us. And yeah. that's kind of the vibe I got while watching the tape. And it was just like, just keep running that thing. And they ran them, what, I don't know, 30 times or something along those lines. Um, they still, you know, threw it for, I don't know, 30 something plus times as well. So it was a good little 50, mm-hmm. 50 mix, mm-hmm. even though we ran it, you know, that well. So, Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it'll be, you know, something that I'm sure next week they'll try to, um, you know, attack again. You know, they were in that little bunch set into the boundary a ton. Mm-hmm. They were running that toss play to the short side. And then, yeah. you know, on the touchdown, they, they ran that one to the field. So they obviously saw some form of, you know, adjustment that they weren't making. They were doing a lot of that the last couple of weeks into the boundary, that little, you know, toss, whatever, you know I mean? They're bringing the tackle over and pulling the guys around, mm-hmm. crack down, down, and they wrap the guy around. So. You know, there's a couple different things they're seeing, and I know teams are going to really harp in on, uh, obviously, Eddie in that run game, and that's something that you know the opposition will have to worry about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did not, and this was a first in the history of the program. They did not punt once yesterday. The only and the <laughs> I only didn't even two, notice that. I didn't, that's yeah. amazing you said that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and the only two drives they did not score on were the one at the end of the first half when they decided to just run out the clock, and the one at the end of the game where they decided to run out the clock. Otherwise, they scored on every single drive. What'd you think of the way EJ played, Adam? Again, um, 27 to 36 passing, 344 yards, two touchdowns. And again, he was still still pressured. And again, like we, we just talked about the offensive line. Adam Klein came back after not playing last week. So Adam Klein was back at center, weathered a couple of um, you know, high snaps, not only just high snaps, but times where his timing was off. They had on two consecutive plays, 
uh, everybody, you know, everybody but the but the center fall started, which means something <laughs> went wrong. Yeah, that's with always, Adam that's always a funny. That's always a funny. Uh, a funny call. The referee says it. Everybody but the center. It's like, dude, you just there's. Well, I mean, you're just calling me out in front of the whole world. Like you just yeah. make say my number. That way, you don't have to just call me out. But that's that's yeah. Funny. Um, so Adam Klein was back at center. Wisdom Quarshi and Bryce Thoman at guard positions. And again, those guys have seen their share of struggles. Isaac Mort left tackle. So he's he's the only guy who started every game at, at the same position on the offensive line. And then Victor Stallfall again at right tackle. Uh, but EJ had for the most part a little bit of a cleaner pocket to throw from. What did you think of how he played yesterday? I think it was it was important after USF goes and drives down the field and scores on their first drive. After getting, you know, what a 15 play drive, you know, some third downs and fourth downs. It was important to for for EJ to get started and you know gain some confidence early. I think the offensive staff and and maybe even Coach Drayton said, "Hey, listen, let's put the kid in some situations to gain some confidence." And as you see, you know, play one, you know, 17 yards and 14 yards to Jordan Smith, another 11 to Jose, 14 to Jose. So you know, we're down to the USF 18, just like that, with a quarterback, a young guy, who hasn't been playing phenomenal the last few games, but that gained some confidence. You know what I mean? Some RPOs. You know, guys coming free and he's, you know, hitting Jose on a slant and Jose's breaking some tackles. Um, but I was impressed. I think he gave his guys a chance um, on a ton of balls, which is always a, a big deal for for quarterbacks. Um, you know, he, he allowed on a couple of touchdowns, you know, Jose to go ahead and run and, you know, make a play on the ball and, you know, keeping the ball inbounds. Um, even on some third downs, he, you know, stuck in the pocket and, you know, completed balls to get into fourth and short and allowed them to go ahead and go for it. Uh but he was impressive. I mean, I could probably go on and on, but there were some things that you're like, wow, like he threw the ball away when he needed to. Um, you know, we, you still hope when we get down there in the red zone, we could throw the football in for some touchdowns and some scores and not have to bring the kicker in early. I think that's still where we're lacking scoring mm-hmm. touchdowns in the red zone, especially throwing the football. I know we, you know, we caught a touchdown with um, Adonikus on the one hand or whatnot, but you got to get down there and be able to score touchdowns in the red zone, especially, you know, when teams are known we have to throw the football. That's the one thing I think that needs to progress for us to be uh, where we want to be these next few games. But he was impressive. It looked like he had just a grasp of the game plan better than any of the past few weeks that we've seen. Again, I'm not in the meeting rooms. You're not in the meeting rooms. But from an outsider standpoint, that early confidence, I think, really helped him. And, you know, you you get the ball around to what, one, two, three, four, five, eight guys, Mm -hmm. which is cool. So everyone's kind of feeling it. You know what I mean? You had a mod going in there catching the football. You know, you get the ball at DMR a couple times. Having Jordan Smith back was nice. So that that always helps a, a young quarterback. Um, so I was excited for him, and I'm excited kind of his, you know, projection for heading into this next week. All right, so EJ Warner was obviously one of the – one of several players to talk after the game yesterday. And, and I asked EJ, you know, what, what that game meant to him considering, like, the numerous – offensive line combinations that have played in front of them. Again, the Temple has not had the luxury of starting the same five guys two weeks in a row. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about this before. EJ, I think, is well-conditioned to not throw anybody under the bus as he continues to go through his own growing pains as a quarterback. And he's played in front of so many different offensive line combinations. And we, and we talked just now about how how much better a guy like, for example, Wisdom Quarshie played so I asked him about that line and just playing behind them and what they were able to do yesterday. And this is what EJ had to say after the game yesterday. Yeah, I'm just so proud of those guys. Like you said, we've had so many injuries and so many different combinations of people. They really just, those five guys came in today and just executed what they had to do. I'm just proud of them for 
bouncing back after other weeks and just coming back, playing their game, opening up holes. The run game was fantastic today. Made my job so much easier. So I had to hand the ball off and become a fan just watching the ball, watching these huge holes open up, watching Sadie run through and break tackles. Just overall a good day. Just so proud of those guys for the way they played. Adam, before we look ahead to you know, to Houston, you know, again, they Houston was in a crazy, crazy shootout loss to to SMU. Obviously, again, look, I mean, Temple's three and six. And if they are going to get bowl eligibility in place, they have to beat Houston. They have to beat Cincinnati. They have to beat ECU. And I don't know how likely that is. But this might sound like, again, like a, a simple question, too. But I, I do think that so much of this can be broken down into, like, some simple things. I'm curious for you, again, you've gone through it as a player. You've gone through it as a coach. Sometimes I hear coaches say it's it's easier to teach after a loss because players like their minds might be open and be like, okay, that's what I'm doing wrong there. For an offensive lineman, it might be like, oh, I just need to get my I need to improve on my pad level, or I need to like, you know, if I'm a receiver, I didn't run this route at the right depth, so on and so forth. And yeah, this might sound like obviously wins feel great. They are what they are. How much does it help a staff out? Again, they had won two games, but they had beaten Lafayette. And they've beaten UMass. Again, I don't want to try to disguise USF, but it's still a conference win. Is it a little bit easier to reach players after a win and you can like sit with them and you're watching film? You've been through it. You can say, mm-hmm. hey, guys, you trusted the coaching for a week. We got it done. Like, right. what is coaching like after a win? Is it a little bit easier to reach players or do you, on the flip side of it, have to guard against any like – you know, false sense of security, yeah. like, oh, now we're, you know, we're really good. Yeah, what's no, it, what's arrived, it like coaching man. off a win? Yeah. It's like, um, I think it's to, you, you try to keep it as consistent as you can, whether it's a win or a loss. So, you know, even during our wins, you still have, you know, each play graded and there's still negative plays. There's still false footwork. There's still bad angles. There's still bad reads. There's still, you know what I mean? Poor routes. There's still drops. There's still, you know, eyes in the wrong place. There's still some things you could teach off of that's not going to make it seem like you just won, you know, like we were just talking about the World Series. Um, so that's always a plus as a coach. And I would imagine that that staff has a good grasp of how to coach, um, especially after, you know, losing as many games as we have, you know, in the last few weeks. So, you know, you're continuously coaching off of, um, you know, from losses. Like you can't change necessarily – uh, how you're teaching off of a win. You can't change it too much. You know what I mean? You don't want to, I should say, because, you know, players kind of notice that's the kind of thing. You know what I mean? And most of these coaches nowadays, they want to be the same guy, no matter if it's a win or a loss. Now there's going to be some excitement. You know, they're going to show Eddie's plays today in the meetings and everyone's going to be juiced up in a couple of these big plays, you know, the one-handed, you know what I mean? And, you know, there's certain things you're going to show that you're going to bring some excitement and positivity back to the team throughout this week. But very quickly, it's gonna have you know they got to turn their uh you know turn turn towards the the next week, and I think the staff's gonna get them ready for that. Yeah, and so again next week the, uh, a trip to Houston awaits. Again, Houston was involved in a crazy shootout yesterday. They lost seventy seven to sixty three to SMU. Uh, but hey, I mean if if Temple can carry a little bit of confidence into this game again, I, I think that Houston's a much better team, and they're certainly gonna have their their hands full defending a quarterback like Clayton Toon. Again, it came in a loss, but he went 36 of 53 yesterday, 527 yards, seven touchdowns. He threw three picks, also rushed for 111 yards and a, and a touchdown. Yeah, had uh, a good week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a crazy – I mean, there were 28 points scored between both teams in that 
uh, in that fourth quarter. But um, it'll be interesting to see how things go in, in the in the next few weeks for Temple because you know it's always interesting to see what a win does for a program. Again, even if it's just they just needed to get. Yeah, in life, we sometimes say, "I just need a win." Whether it's at work, yeah. whether it's in your personal life, or something like that, you just need a win, and they and they need one. So, um, we'll see what we'll see what happens next week. Obviously, we'll have more in Houston for yeah. you next week. Yeah, because you figure, I mean, the Houston staff can't be happy. I mean, I I uh, was on Twitter just scrolling through some stuff, and their head guy was talking about how he knew, like he t- said this, like he knew that SMU was going to score in every single time they touched the football. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he said. Like I knew that they were going to score. I mean, you give up. You know, nine touchdowns to the kid from uh from SMU. You know what I mean? That's so I would venture to say their week of practice is going to be very very difficult. So they're going to come in with you know a little bit of chip on their shoulder because they just got their butts whipped, mm-hmm. knowing that we come off a victory. So it's going to be two clashes. You know what I mean? They they know that they got a they know they got five wins now, so they got to get another win to you know be bowl eligible and. And then we got to just keep digging after coming off a win. So it's going to be, you know, two two sides of things clashing. And it's going to be difficult for us to stop those guys. Um, you know, and I always hated – I always uh, hated um, playing down in, in Houston too. Mm-hmm. Um, I never – I just had no good vibes, John, man. It was just mm-hmm. – uh, it was just nasty. I don't know why, but it'll Tough be – Tough place to play? I just it – just, it was, you know what I mean? Like, I, it just was – it was. It wasn't like it was like UCF was number one to me as a coach, and then when I went to Houston, I'm like, ah, you know, it was almost like deceiving. Like you think Houston, you're like, this is gonna be a cool little city, and then when you get there, it's like, it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And you know, the red uniform, they just, they, you know, they had a good little defense when we when we were there as well. Yeah. Um, but I just never had good vibes coaching there. And they mm-hmm. always kind of took it to us the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how, again, like I said, those two things clash. Yeah. Before we close things out with a couple of mailbag questions, wanted to touch on PJ Walker here again. I, I, I wonder, and maybe we'll be able to get PJ on the pod back on the pod at some point. It's I'm sure it's a weird mix of emotions for him, probably a weird mix of emotions for you too. I mean, um, Matt rule loses his job down there, but for the foreseeable future, PJ gets a chance to to keep a hold on that starting quarterback job. And, and, you know, last Sunday against the Falcons, it comes in an overtime loss, but some really good numbers, 19 of 36, 317 yards. I mean, the, the, the Hail Mary toss, you got someone like Patrick Mahomes saying like, I forget exactly what his tweet was. He's like, nobody, that's the throw of the year in the NFL this year. And I think he had something like 62 yards of air under it. I mean, like a big, big, big time throw. And um, he's getting a shot right now, you know, mm-hmm. and in a, in a weird division, um, you know, again, you had a, a big hand in, in mentoring him. You guys have been close. Uh, what's it like to see what he's doing right now in the league? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting. I and I promise you, I'm not lying. I've seen him throw like this in college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like I've never seen the throws for a guy that's under six foot tall mm-hmm. at 205 pounds in college, whatever he was. Like I've never seen a human throw the football like him. Like he threw the ball. I tell you guys all the time, better than any quarterback we played in college. Better than. Teddy Bridgewater, obviously Blake Bortles when he was at UCF. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones was the only one that was had any kind of comparable, you know, throwing motion, speed of the ball, arm strength, touch, accuracy. Like like PJ was just different. Um, and you could see some of the clips that even I retweeted. You know what I mean? Some of the balls you throw, I'm like, Jesus, how, like how does that even happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your point, it's pretty cool to see. Um, I know that 
he feels like, uh, you know, he could have done this a long time ago, given the opportunity. But the kid's just taking things one day at a time. I know that we just I talked to him yesterday. Frank Newtow actually just sent a picture of me and him and PJ on the sidelines when we beat SMU like 60 to 40, whatever, whatever year that was. That was right after the that was right after you guys lost to Notre Dame, right? Yeah. I remember heading to that game, Matt saying, I'm very, very concerned about this game. Very concerned about how we're gonna be coming off of this moment. We had so many, yeah. Of course, I'm like paraphrasing here. Right. It's a crazy game. That is the game where Jagger ripped off like the 95 yard Jagger right. ripped off 95 yard touchdown run, right? And then we, you know, we scored and ended up scoring 60. Um, but he's uh he's a kid who I know. When given the opportunity, he's going to make the most of it. And I think, you know, his teammates trust him. I think that, um, you know, obviously with with Matt not being there, a new guy comes in essentially, you know, and and he's playing better than the guys behind him. So mm-hmm. and and that's what's cool to see. The kid just continuously just pushes and just keeps pushing no matter the circumstance. And then given the opportunity, he's playing well. So I'm I'm anxious because I know it's twelve forty five here now. He's actually on our TV here in Pittsburgh because the Steelers are on a buy. So the Panthers and Bengals are actually on TV. So I'm gonna go be able to watch that one. I'm hopefully my wife puts down the two boys, mm-hmm. um, so I can watch it. But it's exciting, man. Uh, like I said, I was just training the kids today, and a bunch of kids know about PJ now, obviously because he was all over the internet. They're like PJ mm-hmm. Walker, you know him? I'm like, yeah, guys. Like, you know, he's like my little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's exciting to see. I know that a lot of people are happy for him and hopefully this prolongs his, uh, his season as a starter and then mm-hmm. see what happens next year. You know what I mean? If they continue to win some games and, and things of that nature or someone else picks him up, however the case may be, but he's just taking things one day at a time and trying to be as consistent a player as, you know, he can be. Um, Cause I mean, that's kind of what it's about at that next level. Yeah. So we got a couple of mailbag questions here from Twitter to close things out. The first one comes yeah. to the, the Twitter handles off the hook three question here is it's the year 2050 and adam is talking to his, <laughs> his year, uh, adam is talking to his grandkids about the golden age of temple football from 2014 to 2019 which moments stick out to you the most 2050 as a coach i mean just uh i was just talking to a couple of my buddies one of them's getting married and actually he's a he's a michigan fan but um they came to the notre dame game with college game day when they came to town and they all came to that game they were on the sidelines but that was probably one of the coolest moments of my playing slash coaching career, just having those guys on campus, having those guys, and then just the crowd and how close the game was. No one expected it to be. And, you know, we were just right there. Like, I don't know what happens if we win that game, if we end up winning a couple more. And, you know, I mean, who knows what can happen. But mm-hmm. um, that was probably one of the coolest moments. Um, I'll probably go back and bring that up. I think, you know, winning the championship was also pretty cool. You know, as a player, I don't know. I mean – I'll probably show him a couple clips of of, of old uh, grandpa, um, but just that was probably one of the coolest ones I would think. Um, hopefully, there's some more, you know, here here in the next thirty years. Yeah. I could talk to him about like maybe mm-hmm. I I was hoping to come to the Cincinnati game, at, but my niece has a birthday party. Um, but you know, hopefully, I'll be able to get the boys to some games you know, as a former alum somewhere down the line and, and, you know, we can make some memories that way, but probably that college game, there's probably the coolest atmosphere that I've ever been part mm-hmm. of as a coach or a player. One of um a guy that like does some work for me at Al Scoop and he's also interning for the Inquirer and covering Temple for the Inquirer, Caden Steele was sitting next to me at the game yesterday and he was asking me a couple of questions, just picking my brain. He said, which, who's the best Temple running back you've seen 
in the last five or so years or, or last 10 years and who was the best Temple running back you've covered, I said it would probably be say the last five or 10 years you're talking about Jihad. And I was talking to him about the 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 progress that Jihad Thomas made to where he gets to that that 2015 season. He's putting his foot in the ground, making that move that mm. he made against Penn State, the 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 move that he made to get in the end zone against Notre Dame. Those runs where, you know, a couple seasons before that, he was a guy who was just getting involved more in the screen game. Right. I said, but then you gotta you gotta throw Bernard Pierce in there. I said they were two different backs and Bernard had his struggles with with staying healthy and but both really, really good backs. But it's fun yeah. to, to look back. That was, and, and I mean you've been you, around you, both of them. Those two, and then I would add Armstead, like Rockwell yeah. was just unbelievable. I mean, those two. I mean, we've had a good little group of running backs, man. It's been impressive. Yeah. Jahad just, you know, that one cut get vertical, didn't have the extreme, you know, that 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 uh, long speed. Mm-hmm. I remember we threw a couple screens at Houston and he got kind yeah. of tackled on like the freaking four yard line after like 80 yard run yeah um, but he was just so dang uh electric with that suddenness and then mm-hmm. you know just i remember re- recruiting bernard just had gigantic legs and you mm-hmm. know what i mean just just the the um how how low he played the center of gravity for a big back mm-hmm. you know what i mean to play the way he did was just ridiculous and obviously playing in the league and then you know rockwell was just you know he has the speed and the vision and you know, what I mean? and he trusted himself, and obviously found a way into the NFL. So, there and there's some more too. You know what I mean? There's there's a, there's mm-hmm. a slew of other backs out there. So, we've done a good job with running backs. Mm-hmm. The other question here uh, from the the Twitter handle is Doctor Drew. How worried should we be that EJ Warner is going to transfer? I mean, I understand it's a it's a different era now. You have to re-recruit your players every year. Um. I don't know. What do, what do you think of this one, Adam? Um, you'll probably have a little better idea how how he's doing um, with the team. And, like, you know, if they're if, – if the only way – again, I don't want to think negatively in the future, but the only way I could see something happen is if a staff change happens mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean, something, you know, they're not winning. But the kid's the starting quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, there might be a transfer that comes in and has to compete with him next year. Or, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we have a freshman coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, now those things happen. Now, if he gets beat out or mm-hmm. something along those lines, then you could see something happen. But if you're the starting quarterback, why would you want to leave and go yeah. have to go somewhere and have to, you know, win that job, say at a, a bigger school, you know, say mm-hmm. West Virginia calls like, Hey, you can come here and well, West Virginia already has three guys. You know I mean? You're going to have to go compete with, you want to go compete at West Virginia or essentially be the guy here. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't be overly worried right now. I think, you know, um, I would venture to say he's probably pretty happy. You know, I don't know if he came in this year thinking he was going to be be playing. I'm sure competitively he thought yeah. he could. But now he's in a spot where essentially this is his team. He takes a big stride into his next last three weeks and then, you know, gains some weight in the offseason, becomes even more confident in the offense. You know, a few different weapons come in, help him out. Um, like I said, another transfer might come in and, you know, have to compete with. So um, I think he understands the landscape. I would imagine his family understands the landscape of college football now. Um, but like, you know, I mean, the grass isn't always green on the other side. So I would venture to say he, he sticks it out and continues to push through. And the only way something happens is if whether one, he loses the job and wants to go down a level or, mm-hmm. you know, a staff change happens and, you know what I mean? He, that's that way he, he, he moves on, but you know, I, I would, I would think, you know, positively he, he sticks around here. Yeah, and I, I 
to add to that. And sometimes when we get, and we can, we appreciate all the mailbag questions we get. And even like on Al scoop on our message board, sometimes I tell people like, I could give you the, the hot take answer. I could give you what I think is the logical answer. And sometimes the logical answer is the boring answer, but again, I'm not telling you anything. You don't know. It is a week by week by week by week thing. I, if you're asking me right now, I don't think the fans should be too worried about him transferring i would think after yesterday and again it's not like after he got off the dais in the post-game press conference i pulled him aside for one-on-one and said hey, mm-hmm. Jay, now that you had a now that you had a 300 plus yard game you know 344 yards two touchdowns no picks do right. you feel like you put some some good stuff on film for a power five school it's not like we're having that conversation but i would have to think that yesterday was a moment where he can see okay here's what happens when the the running game works for me it puts less pressure on me here's what happens when i can start to you know build up more again even you know even though you know yesterday i mean like jose barbo and eight catches 103 yards and a touchdown like he can see oh i was able to get the ball out to eight or nine different guys um you know like he's getting more time to work with guys like that and again like he's gonna have to work with some new receivers next year newer receivers but yesterday was a chance where you could say oh, wow, it is possible if we yeah. do things the right way, if things start to click, this is what's possible for us. So I, right now, if you're asking me, I would not be too worried. It's, and again, like these are the questions that fans ask. Like before I was heading into the link, met up with um, uh, some friends, uh, my, my buddy, Mike Mudrick, who you who covered you, was my mm-hmm. former uh, assistant editor at Al Scoop. And then after I left those guys, I ran into somebody else and they were like, well, why would, why would Tyler Douglas come here next year out of Ocean Township if EJ Warner is already entrenched as the starter? I'm like, you, you have to have at least two good quarterbacks. This happens all over the place and you have to see how things go week to week for EJ Warner. What if he, mm-hmm. what if he, you know, not that I'm, not that I'm rooting for this for him. What if he doesn't finish out the season? Well, what if he gets hurt? Like, I think all these guys understand that they have to compete right now. I'm just going to be as honest as possible. EJ's not competing with anybody. Like Quincy Patterson is not, I can't imagine Quincy Patterson is pushing him enough in, in practice to start. Like they haven't even played him much over the last couple of weeks. I think they've abandoned right. the whole, let's bring him in and disrupt EJ's rhythm with the hope of getting three yards on fourth down. Mariano Valente is not pushing him. So it's a good thing if Tyler Douglas comes in and gets to redshirt and they push each other. These cliches, we try to stay away from them in writing, but cliches are, are there for a reason. They're true. So I don't think he's going anywhere, but again, you never say never. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know how things will go in the off season, but um, as of now, I'm not getting any vibes that he's looking to go anywhere else. You know, if, if, if I start to get those vibes or I start hearing incredible stuff and yeah, then we would report it, but I don't he's got one chance, John, one chance he's going yeah. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Is if all, if his father gets a job somewhere coaching college football. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, man. That's yeah. As I'm thinking here, I'm like, why would he want to go anywhere? Okay, Pops gets a job. He wants to get into some college coaching. Mm-hmm. He's a QB coach. I'm going to go play for my dad. See ya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, I guess I guess in this landscape of college football now, that's going to be the question for – I mean, we're going to get that about Leighton. I mean, is he going to go in the NFL? Oh, yeah. Is he going to transfer? I mean, that's yeah. coming up here in the next few weeks. Uh, maybe even like Jordan McGee in those worlds. I mean, he's playing phenomenal football. There's probably some – some other guys um, that you could probably think of like, Hey, mm-hmm. who's going to have some options to, to get, I guess, recruited by some power five. So it's an interesting time. Um, it's an interesting landscape of college football. And I think those questions are just always going to be there. And hopefully mm-hmm. at Temple, you know I mean? We can, you know, build those relationships and, you know, they could have enough success and enough, you know, positive feedback from fans and 
and, you know, have some trust in their coaches and team that they want to stick around here and help build something like, you know, we've had in the past. Yeah. I mean, again, this wasn't Drew's question, but again, and you, Adam, you know, Leighton better than I do. Um, if if you're worrying or keeping an eye on somebody who's going to transfer and not be around next year, I'm looking more at Leighton Jordan. And I think if, if Leighton gets fourth, fifth, sixth round evaluation from the NFL, I think he's more likely if you're a Temple fan, I think the chances of Leighton Jordan being back are, are, are a lot slimmer than EJ Warner being back. But if, if, if Leighton gets a chance to be drafted, that's what you want to see. You don't want to, you don't want to lose him to a Penn state like you did with Arnold Abiquetti or stuff like that. But yeah, it's a different, different time in college football. Again, coaches will tell you they have to re-recruit everybody. There's going to be a ton of roster movement. I'm sure there are, there are guys that we watched play yesterday that will not be here next season either because they're just not good enough that it's going to be a constantly evolving thing adam you've been part of those conversations as a coach and as, as a player so um interesting question but gun to my head right now drew i i i think he's at temple uh next year so appreciate all of you guys checking in for another episode we'll be back with you next week adam have fun watching pj on, on Sorry, TV. Can't wait, man. i'm not sure what game going. yeah i'm not sure what game we're getting getting out here in, in philly because the eagles already played so uh right. yeah always good spending time with you and we'll talk to you guys next week listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.